You're listening to All Things Relax with Sandy D. Inspiring women to relax and rejuvenate. Here's your host, Sandy D. Welcome to our show. Today I'm talking with Nadine Wilches, licensed clinical social worker and founder of Mind the Class. Mind the Class provides courses on mental wellness for educators and parents to support children's emotional health. Hi, Nadine. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, Sandy. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. So let's get started. Could you tell our listeners more about you, your background, and how you got started in this? Yeah, so I have a license in clinical social work from Fordham University. Um, and at really, the story's kind of long, but the short story is that I just fell in love with working with children at a, at a very young age and just loved focusing on the challenge. You know, whatever the next challenge group was, that was, that was where I wanted to be. Um, I volunteered in two other countries uh, working with children. And um, in the U.S., I focused on, you know, behavior, learning, needs, trauma, and overall mental health. Um, Basically, I started as a camp counselor and a babysitter and a one-to-one behavior assistant in uh, in schools and just worked my way through my bachelor's and my master's and to clinical practice, just trying to focus on the response-based interventions, which is just removing the pain. You know, when something's distressing, how can we intervene? When something's a problem, how can we intervene? Um, but I just kept noticing along that path that children who had a foundation of just understanding themselves a little bit better, understanding their, you know, had a better uh, handle on their emotional regulation and that kind of thing, just tended to fare much better in difficult situations and persevere better and have more resilience than kids who just didn't have that foundation due to difficult circumstances or trauma or whatever it was. Um, And so I, as a social work background as well, it became clear that if I was going to switch to this sort of model of creating this preventive foundation and this promotion of mental health from a teaching standpoint, that it really needed to be systemic as well. And so, you know, I had, I had run a school for kids with social, emotional, behavioral needs in California. Um, So I knew how the schools worked. I knew how the teaching worked. I knew how we could, you know, we practiced there trying to get ahead of it and promote wellness. So, um, we really just tried to figure out how to move away from the response-based interventions and give them a foundation. And we found that we really just eliminated a lot of the really intensive interventions. And of course, we were working with pretty extreme situations. So we eliminated restraint. You know, we were restraining kids who are kids, you know, but they were, you know, it was extremely dangerous situations. And that was the tool that we had. Um, And it was really heartbreaking and we were trying to get ahead of it with different behavior techniques. And we found that really just teaching them about themselves worked best, teaching them how to have a foundation, teaching them about their bodies, teaching them to regulate themselves, then they would know what to do. And so this is really, Mind the Class was really created out out of all those situations that I had from the school to, you know, um, clinical environments. I worked in child welfare, all these things. I worked in domestic violence. Everything kind of came back to, we need to get ahead of this and not just keep responding in crisis. Right. So, yeah. Wow. So as you were talking, I took note, you were talking about how at one point you even volunteered in like two other countries. Do you mind sharing where, which countries? 
Yeah. I worked in um, Peru, in Huaraz, near oh. the Cordillera Blanca, which is like a range of, you know, the White Mountains, um, way yeah. up, and, and actually experienced a pretty intense earthquake while I was there. But we were, oh, I was volunteering God. at a school for kids whose families couldn't afford to send them to school because in Peru, you have to pay for school um, at the time, at least. I'm not sure what the situation is now. So I was working for a volunteer organization and I just, I I went initially to brush up on my Spanish and ended up doing a ton of mental health work, a ton of school um, work. So it was really cool. And then um, I had taken a trip, a humanitarian trip to the Dominican Republic where we worked with families and communities and schools. And also we actually met the vice president and worked on um, community-based interventions. It was really a cool trip um, as well to try to just kind of see things from different lens. I think my travel around the world has really helped as well um, in terms of having a perspective for people's lives and how people, um, you know, our commonalities and also our differences and how to use those in terms of like a strength-based interventions and really from, you know, that integration of positive psychology and culture and core values really helps um, set a foundation. Yeah. Yeah. And just understanding too, because I think I shared with you, I'm not sure. Um, I had spent two years teaching English over in Japan and some of my classes, they wouldn't tell me ahead of time if I had students who had any any type of diagnoses, (laughs) Um, but I would figure it out. (laughs) Um, I'm sure you're very well aware too, that in certain cultures, just to even be discussing mental health, that's kind of still, there's still stigma attached and there's still some taboo. And I was noticing um, in your description that, the lessons are also not only trauma informed, but also culturally competent. Like there's the cultural competence Mm -hmm. uh, section as well, which is really good because what might work for one group of people might not necessarily work across all cultures. So I like that you've taken that into account. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important. Um, Your work in Japan was probably incredibly critical, uh, especially if you're coming from a lens where you knew a little bit about emotional health um, and wellness. So that's great that, you know, that you had that experience. And yeah, I mean, I think, I think it would be remiss to have a program on promotion of mental wellness without a cultural competence lens. But even from my cultural competence lens, I'm going to, I'm going to miss something. And so it will have to be, you know, this is a foundation, this is a tool, but it will have to be adapted um, for each group. They're just techniques and tools and ideas. And it's also a neurodiverse um, curriculum being that, you know, I've worked with people with neurodevelopmental disabilities and all sorts of um, learning differences. And I think that, again, it's a, it's a tool, it's a foundation, but it will need to be adapted and modify just like any math curriculum, science curriculum, social studies, where we pull from tools and we know what will work best for our students. Um, But I think it has a lot of great little nuggets about how to work on this um, from a real non-threatening lens. And knowing that teachers don't have the training in mental health, this you know, I, I supervise teachers. I know teachers. I know, you know, I know what their their bandwidth is, and I know that they don't have any time to be learning, right. you know, a mental health on the side and as much as they want to, right? Um, even though their intention is there, and schools right now are totally overwhelmed. So I think that this is especially, um, you know, driven from the lens of like, I know you don't have time here. Here's it broken down into systemic parts, you know, from the beginning all the way through. And you can just take the once a week bite size, you know, try to integrate this concept and then next week, this concept, right? 
Yeah. Yeah, more manageable. (laughs) Okay, so could you please explain to us the five-element model and how the lessons were designed within this framework? Yeah, so as I started to decide, you know, how am I going to put all this information together for for teachers and, and school counselors and everything, I took each concept and I kept coming back to sort of five categories that it had to address from, like I said, really just kind of looking at it systemically um, to be fully encompassing in application. These are not lessons that are teaching you about psychology. They're teaching you how to apply it. It is just applied. It isn't like, you know, you're not, you're not as you're not learning at a college level here. It is going to be, you know, I, so I labeled them in these five ways. So the space, the body, the self, the talk, and the group. Um, so the space is addressing our environment and attachments to people in our environment. Um, the body is focused on our internal regulation. Um, and the self is focused on our internal thought process and mindset. Uh, which I think a lot of tools are just focused on that part. Um, the talk is focused on how we communicate this concept that we're working on to others, basically translating our thoughts and feelings now into words um, because then we won't otherwise be able to use the t- technique. And then the fourth, the group is to, okay, now that you you can do it, you know, and apply it and you know it, how can we now translate that into group settings, which have their own set of, of dynamics um, and interworking. So um it really creates a nice flow for each subject area and, and very practical application um, to promotion of mental wellness. Wow, that's very comprehensive. Um, yeah, you're right. Definitely, there's a lot of focus lately I have here on mindset. But if you're excluding all these other areas, <laughs> that's definitely not enough. Yeah. Um, can you tell us more about how you've had to pivot your program, in particular, the curricular, the curriculum delivery and training methods due to COVID-19, because I'm sure that was a challenge. <laughs> well, right. I mean, so we were we were set to launch with a small group on Long Island in March. So, you know, what happened to that? So that was yeah. a <laughs> so actually, I mean, we've really had to just kind of pull way back on what we wanted to do because we were having a pilot group. We were going to create data and then use that to um, really adapt and get this program out for the fall. And schools all have enough on their plate right now that if, you know, so you have to introduce it in the right time, in the right environment. We have to use the own, our own principles for, for Mind the Class to, you know, to launching as well. So, you know, this is a really difficult time. So we're not calling schools and pressing schools to get on board. We're just still sharing a lot of free resources. I mean, when COVID hit, I was staying home with my own kids all day and then running my private practice, which I have a private clinical practice as well. So I really wasn't um, doing anything but designing free resources at that time and creating a a program for parents who were now home with kids. Um, so that's how we kind of launched a whole another parent segment, which was supposed to come after the integration into schools and then add a parent layer. So we kind of reversed that a little bit. Um, <laughs> you have to accelerate it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. yeah, just kind of move things yeah. around a little bit. Um, I could, and probably more decelerate than accelerate because we, you know, we slowed things down quite a bit because of my own needs and, and my own mental health, right? My own right. bandwidth and boundaries. Um, and also what schools need right now. Um, so we are just kind of now starting to explore what schools need, how, if they're ready, certainly schools know that a mental health program is more important than ever, but they also know that they have to just get 
ahead of these COVID regulations first. So we're 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 starting where they're at, and we're you know trying right. to go baby steps with them. So, but we're here. We're here for the schools That's and great. the parents as well. Yeah. And I'm sure even long after COVID is long gone, they're definitely going to need these resources. So you'll be there. So that's great. So thank you. Now we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, Nadine will talk to us about somatic experiencing, what it is, mean stressor events, and strategies. Indulge yourself and find your inner zen at All Things Relax Online Boutique, a curated collection of artisan handcrafted skin and body care products to get your relax on, including jasmine rose floral mist, lavender whipped body butter, sexy organic bath tea, and many more. Over 100 products to choose from. AllThingsRelax.myshopify.com. New customers save 20% on your first order by using the promo code RELAX20 at checkout. AllThingsRelax.myshopify.com. So, Nadine, let's talk about somatic experiencing. Can you first explain what that means to those of us who aren't familiar with the term? Yeah. So the soma just means the body. So somatic experiencing is just essentially experiencing the body more fully. Um, It's tuning in and working with our internal sensations that are different from our emotions. Um, This is really pioneered by Peter Levine. So a lot of people have that um, background really under trauma research, but I have used this across the board with, you know, non-drama patients and students and children. And it's, it's just amazingly, um, open platform. Um, I like to break it down into three parts when teaching this concept. So that will help here as well. So inventory, which is taking notice of the body. So I call it inventory. Grounding second, which is calming the system. And relief, providing relief to the support, you know, to support the system. Um, We often, I think, try to combat our emotional regulation by stopping our negative thoughts, distracting, finding something relaxing to do. So we're, we're, we're focused on thinking thinking and action. So in, in cognitive behavioral therapy, we talk about think, act, and be. This would be like a B strategy for people okay. who are familiar with that. This is um, talking about, you know, the body. Because um, those distracting, relaxing things tend to help temporarily. But when we get back to work and school and looking at our to-do list, they all that, you know, kind of pressure comes flooding back because we actually haven't dealt with it internally. So um, secondly, by like addressing the autonomic nervous system, which is the ANS, how it ticks, how it helps us, we can kind of regulate our emotional control center, um, creating a flow state, which is essentially what somatic experiencing is meant to do. Um, and experience things that we, the same things that we normally experience on a day to day, we're just experiencing them with less of that stress, pressure, tension, pain, all those sensations that we get internally, because we've created a way of regulating those things so that even in the moment, we can, we can address them and use our frontal lobe (laughs) and all that good stuff, like logic and reasoning and um, problem solving and all that stuff that goes out the window when we are, you know, hijacked by, by our amygdala and we're totally overreacting. Right. Um, and we deal with things that are maybe not in the way that we'd want to, because, um, our bodies are reacting first. Um, so it allows us to kind of deal with that tough stuff, um, and release it. Okay. Thanks. So given current times, especially, 
Can you walk us through some examples of main stressor events? I'm sure there's um, definitely tons of those and how they're manifested. Yeah. Um, so the ANS is meant to respond to threats, right? To calm down from threats when we feel things aren't safe. And that could be literally anything like we're, you know, um, I don't know, something at work is unfair and we feel, you know, all of a sudden threatened, like our position is threatened or something makes us feel off. Um, it's also meant to regulate our heart rate, muscle tension, our GI tract, gastrointestinal stuff. This is why we have so many, um, you know, medical and GI stuff. When we mm -hmm. get stressed, we might feel tight, heavy, pain, develop medical problems, right? This is why they call it the second brain, this right. part of our body, right? Um, so when it makes us feel uncomfortable or discomfort in our body, it also disturbs our thoughts. So if we take fairness as an example, because I use this because it is such a big trigger for people, um, you know, I call it people jumping on the justice wagon, <laughs> I, yeah. you know, because they're like, this, uh, you know, um, it creates a lot of uh, internal emotions. So let's say someone gets time off for reasons due to COVID and we don't, or we have to pick up an extra shift at work and someone else doesn't, or a child goes to hybrid schooling, someone else doesn't, we have to work out that childcare, right? And there's all this feeling of unjust in this world. We feel, you know, this somewhere in our bodies. And if we don't, you know, if we don't address that, the reactive center, the centers like of the, of the brain, right? That whole limbic system starts to remember and pull from our hippocampus, like, what past unfair examples can I bring back up? And it remembers that reaction, even from childhood, and brings it all back. And so that's why, you know, even adults act out. We might lash out. We may um, fuel a reaction uh, like, inter you know, uh, pulling in and, and not coping at all and not responding, right? And sort of freezing up. Um, we may we may kind of uh, avoid something, right? And ignore it, even though we know we need to address it. So all these sorts of reactions are coming from this whole system reacting quicker than we can realize. Right. Um, so I think if we just learn to tune into this, we can uh, regulate our systems a little bit better and handle it Right, like I was saying, um, a little bit more. Um, so almost so, right like there. The, oh, sorry to interrupt. So almost like identifying yeah. those triggers. Like sometimes you're not even aware of it until you yeah. step back and think, "Why am I feeling like this?" And then if you really step back and think, it could be all the way yeah. back to something happened in your childhood. Yeah. 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 And with. And with somatic experiencing, you don't have to think about the triggers, right? So from a from a psychotherapy perspective, we would definitely work on triggers, and I do that all the time. But from a somatic experiencing standpoint, we won't even need to work with the trigger. We work with the sensation in the body instead. Okay. Um, so we will find where it's located, how it feels, what is that pain, that pressure, instead of the emotion, anger, you know, where's that anger coming from? We'll actually say like, what does that anger feel like? Where do you feel it in your body? Describe that feeling. Is it warm? Is it cold? Is it, um, you know, do you feel tingling? Do you feel like rearing to go? Is my heart rate going? So everyone feels it differently, right. but it's really about tuning into the sensation and working with only the sensation, none of the thoughts, none of the emotions wow. and regulating it that way. And it's really powerful because you don't actually then need to, because sometimes we don't remember our childhood. We don't remember why. And our brains do a really bad job filling in the blanks with all sorts of unhelpful information. Right. To, and that creates a lot of obsessive thinking and overthinking, confused thinking, right? So this is a way to kind of get around that. Great. Wow. 
Um, so then based on this example, um, could you share somatic experiencing strategies? Yeah. So will you indulge me and, and help me model for the listeners so that we can go through a couple? Sure. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, I've, I've created a couple of quick ones for, you know, the purpose of the podcast, but we, you know, listeners may need to slow this down and kind of re, you know, re-listen back to it and pause here um, because I'm going to go through them much quicker than you would, you know, actually do them. Um, okay. But these are, these are bottom up techniques and pendulation strategies, just so that we know the word, the language around it. And so as I mentioned before, I like to break it down into the three categories, inventory, grounding, and relief. So those are the three that I've chosen to kind of go through, you know, three of those that I've chosen to go through. So you get one of each um, in, in the podcast. So so the first one I call conjure curiosity. Curiosity has a lot to do with somatic experiencing. Um, it's an inventory strategy. So we can just start by just scanning your body from head to toe. Just take a second to notice where you're feeling any tension, any pressure, any pain. And then just ask yourself, how am I feeling toward it? Right? And slowly identify that feeling and slowly shift that feeling towards curiosity, however you need to do that. You can ask yourself, I'm curious why you are here to start triggering that thought. And try to listen to your body and not your thoughts. So you're asking that sensation, why are you here, not your thoughts. See if you can sense it without thinking it and just sit with your curiosity towards that part of your body. And now just breathe into that part of your body slowly. So mine is always a little pressure in my chest. So I'm just breathing into that chest pressure. And as soon as my breath goes there, my body knows because I've done this so many times. Um, so for me, I can share with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I usually feel my tension in my jaw. So I, have yeah. to, I once had a doctor who said, you know, if you always have that tension there, he gave me a strategy. He said, try sticking your tongue up to the roof of your mouth to try to like release some of the tension. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, the, the somatic experiencing sort of way that we'll get to in a minute, I think you're going to like how you melt it actually. Okay. So back to that too. So yeah. So just breathing into your jaw right now then. And just noticing that that part of your body that you're just curious about, that tension in your jaw, and just sit with it until something changes in that part. So just be open to that. And this is where listeners will just have to kind of wait until something happens. And so you're just being curious until something changes and just be open to the change. And your body knows what it needs. So you don't need to think about it. It's just bringing curiosity, bringing your breath there, being open to the change and breathe in, then breathe into the change. So once we've kind of feel a change in your jaw, then just breathe into that change. And then that's a nice inventory strategy. So you can do that with each part of your body where you're feeling a little bit of tension, a little stress, a little pain, a little discomfort, um, any, anything. So the second strategy is what I call a gravity melt. It's sort of a compilation of a bunch of strategies I've used in the past, and I kind of worked it into this. Um, it's a grounding strategy. So you're going to just soften your body now as if gravity is pulling it down to your chair, your seat, your couch, wherever you are. If you're sitting, just move your feet instead of from, you know, flat footed, just move them to your heels 
and just kind of soften. And as if your body, I'm getting far away from the mic, but as if your body is pulling you down to the ground or the couch, wherever you are, and just notice that maybe your fingertips are still up and just allow them to sink into the gravity and everything of your body should be touching something at this point, right? So that your body is completely sunk. Just notice that it's being pulled to the ground. And just notice that when we take all the pressure off of our neck, off of our head, because our head is back and our shoulders are down and everything is touching the ground, that we've all just automatically, the body has to relax in that position. Um, So we're going to use that in the gravity melt into the third strategy as a tool. So the third strategy and a common strategy in somatic experiencing is called pendulation. And this is when we ramp ourselves up and then bring ourselves back down. And the reason we do this is to teach the body that when I feel this way, I can get back into flow state. And so we're going to use the gravity melt um, and the tension area from conjure, you know, conjure the curiosity to do this pendulation. So sit back up if you were laying down and just find the tension in your body again. So Sandy, you're going to just pull that tension back into your Mm -hmm. jaw. I'm going to pull the tension back into my chest. As much as we don't want to do this, we pull it back in. We allow it to be there for a second. Just notice it there. Notice its properties again. Is it pain? Is it tension? Is it pressure? Hot, cold, clammy, sweaty, whatever it is. People feel in their hands, their feet, wherever it is. Then once you've noticed it, send it your breath again. And then use the gravity melt to just take the pressure off your body and melt back into wherever you're sitting or laying. And then just notice the change, breathe into the change. And as soon as you're feeling back into flow state and you'll notice because your breathing is really rhythmic, you don't feel that pressure anymore, you're going to come back up and do it again. And so you're going to create that cycle um, for yourself. Maybe when you're just getting started, it's just a couple of times, but you can really use this pendulation to go back and forth to just teach the body. And so you can do this with kids. They are really receptive to these strategies. I will tell you from a personal lens, when I first heard about meditation and mindfulness and somatic experiencing, uh, you know, from a behaviorist lens, you know, I, I was started off as a behaviorist, so as analytical in this field as you can get, and then moved slowly into mental health, which is much more emotional. So to go all the way towards this was very difficult for me. But um, actually, once I embraced it, I've, I love the impact um, that it has on me, it has on my patients. So I really do use this quite a bit. And kids are really receptive to this wow. as well. Man, I feel much better already. <laughs> Not to tell my colleagues to listen to this. <laughs> exactly, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, that's nice. Yeah, no, these are excellent strategies. Um, definitely going to, I hope lots of parents hear this too, that they can um, walk through this with their children because I, I know this will help. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. Great. Um, okay, so then when we come back, I want to talk more about who and what inspire you. That sounds good. (laughs) Today, children need emotional support now more than ever. Mind the Class offers online bite-sized lessons and activities using the latest research to decrease mental health risk. 
Mind the Class supports educators and parents so they can give children the tools they need to promote positive mental health. Contact Nadine at mindtheclass.org. Mention the promo code RELAX to receive 20% off your lessons for the entire year at mindtheclass.org. So Nadine, what do you do to relax and rejuvenate? So my routine has changed dramatically with COVID, as probably so many people have. Um, And I also had some health problems that started last year. I ended up with some um, back pain and some herniated discs, and I had some numbness in my legs. So my whole relaxation routine completely 180. Um, I used to be a big runner. I loved to spin. I liked to get my exercise and my energy out, like pounding the pavement kind of thing. (laughs) Um, which, uh, you know, I can't do, uh, anymore in that same way. Um, so this has been a bit of a journey for me through coronavirus is probably so many people have lost their, um, sense of routine with their wellness routines. I also used to do acupuncture massage, which of course came to a halt. Um, there's a lot of touching involved in acupuncture. I miss massages. I know. (laughs) I miss my massages. Yeah. So, so I've really had to rethink it. So right now, my schedule in terms of my, you know, relaxation is I do a 10 minute strengthening, um, and stretching program in the morning. Um, and then uh, sometimes yoga is part of that. Um, so I'll, I'll rotate. I do Epsom salt baths. I really love, love that. Um, and I think perhaps one of the best strategies I use, and I've used this because of my social work background, but it's, it's the most vital is I set really, really good boundaries between work and everything else in my life so that when I turn off that computer or my work part of my phone, cause it's all integrated these days, right? Um, I really do. And then, and I, I set that really healthy boundary. I'm not up on my computer at night before bed, checking email one more time, um, and all of that. So I do, I set those really healthy boundaries. I think that that's part of my, my self-care, um, you know, even some countries have put it into their regulations now, into their employment law. Yeah. Um, as far as setting the boundary, like once you're off the clock, you're off the clock. And to you yeah. know, um, sanction employers who are trying to ask their employees to um, read emails, you know, at all hours of the day, notably France. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have luxury right now, but I think a lot of people in the U.S. don't. Um, so I get that. So people have to create their own thing. I think that an, one thing that always helps me is that long-term setting of a vacation. And that mm-hmm. was also squashed this year. So for me, you know, I love to travel. As I was saying before, you travel to different countries, do some humanitarian work. Now I travel with my family. Um, and so we, you know, we, we lost that, that privilege this year. So it's really been about creating opportunities to find many uh, times away. And mm-hmm. it's been amazing what we found um, here on Long Island and wherever the listeners are. I think, you know, when you scope out places that are really relaxing and rejuvenating, we found some amazing kind of gems here uh, locally that have been extremely rejuvenating and little ways to do that. Um, and then I think finally for me, I, for me, socialization is the absolute num- number one too, I think in, in terms of my own self-care is and relaxation is if I can have time to laugh and joke and hang out with my friends in a real non-threatening way. And that, of course, with COVID has changed, but we made sure, you know, even during COVID, we were dropping things off at people's houses and doing an online thing. Yeah. We were 
transparent, you know, and we were doing things in, in a way that we can connect. We did a game night one night um, uh, online. And so we all tried to find ways to stay connected and reach out to, to people, even my international friends. I think it's been really valuable. So um, I don't think it's all that traditional, though, you know, or all that um, therapist of me. I think that these are just natural ways that um, that I that I connect. I, I don't have a strong meditation routine, although I do it when I need to. Those kinds of things. So I think that it just has to be reasonable. Because yeah, I'm the same way. I I know that I would benefit from daily meditation, but yeah. it it just doesn't happen. But when I really do need it, it works. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. We have yeah. to use it. You know, we have to do with what's in our. Um, what's, what's manageable for us, right? Right, exactly. Okay, so um, let me ask you now, who inspires you? Yeah, so well, in terms of what we're talking about, right, I'm inspired by research. I spend a lot of time, uh, a lot of people read books, I read research articles. Um, (laughs) So in the case of somatic experiencing, it's all about Peter Levine, like I was saying, I also like learning about this in a little bit of a different way. People can look up Richard Schwartz, um, his work on internal family systems theory. Uh, This is incredible practice. Um, I, we wouldn't be able to do it over a podcast, but man, it is a pretty powerful technique and very working with different parts um, of the self and of, of the body and working with the self. Those are, you know, in in this practice, very separate. Um, but on a day to day basis, I'm, I'm inspired by stories of, of perseverance and grit and resilience as many of us are. So what I find is inspirational is, you know, I look for those opportunities Um this morning, I watched a nine-year-old girl from Azerbaijan on LinkedIn who insisted on riding her horse to school every day. And oh. yeah, it was just amazing. And um, I, they were filming her just for the, for the you know, to have it documented or whatever. And, you know, people felt this was very risky. But my take on it was that these parents have tapped into her strength, right? They know her skill is up there. They've allowed her a manageable risk. She's clearly capable and she's, you know, using her, her strength and she's empowered by her autonomy, right. And being able to do something that's, that's empowering for her. So I, I think that, you know, that what those kinds of things for me on a day-to-day basis is super um, I- inspiring. Um, and then just watching my kids and, you know, uh, and seeing their resilience. Um, we just moved. So they started a new school yesterday. Wow. So how are they doing with a new school and then having to make friends. I know. I know. So we're trying to keep their connections to their current friends, um, which is already hard. And then they're trying to make new friends. And it's amazing to watch the resilience of kids when, when they feel, you know, psychologically safe and empowered. And of course we're trying to do all that for them, but they have their anxieties and we're working on it. And um, that's pretty, pretty amazing too. Um, And then watching these teachers, right? Like these parents, adapt and and it just um, I'm getting the most amazing reflection at least from our district um, about how hard they're working and they're not missing a beat uh, with all of this and just trying to make it accommodating and warm and um, you know that's also right now really really inspiring me to you know keep doing this because they're they're in it they're doing it yeah my, it one of my um, my younger son is a junior he goes to it's a state college um, uh, high school district and one of his teachers even sent like the nicest email to the students before they went back and just said, look, I'm here for you. 
And she emphasized like the mental health aspect of it. If you need anything, like reach out to me. And I just, I almost cried when I read it because I was like, wow, these teachers are pouring their hearts into their students. It's just amazing. I mean, they do all the time anyway, but like to be so thoughtful is to reach out to your students and say, hey, if you're going through anything, like just let me know, you know, we can make accommodations. I was like, they're amazing. (laughs) And to watch these kids. Yeah, yeah, I love that your son schooled it. I mean, it's it's great because it's hard to be student first focused when you've got so much on your plate and they're dealing right from a mental health lens. They're dealing with coping and their own burnout and the administration pressures that they have and, you know, their administration has. So it sort of trickles down right to them at that ground level. Right. Of, Interventionist, and um, it's amazing. Yeah, it's truly like their strength, right? Already, right. and they're using it um, even during this time. So, yeah, it's super inspiring for me. Wow, great. Well, Nadine, thank you so much for taking time out to talk with me today. I've learned so much just in this short conversation with you. So I love it. So great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I mean, I hope that the listeners have gotten some value as well. And um, I'm looking forward to listening to more of your podcast. Oh, cool. Because I think you're just going to get all the great wellness gems like yes. you're doing for women. So um, super cool. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, great. Thanks. So for our listeners, you can follow Nadine on Instagram and Facebook at MindTheClass. I'll put those links in the show notes as well. And also listeners can use the promo code RELAX to get a 20% off discount on lessons for the entire year. So again, that information will be posted in the show notes. I want to thank everyone for listening. We appreciate your support. Ciao. You have been listening to All Things Relax with Sandy D. Inspiring women to relax and rejuvenate. We invite you to leave a comment and review our podcast. Check out our blog and online boutique at allthingsrelax.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at allthingsrelax. Until next time.